Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse, on your way to work, at the gym, wherever and whenever you have time to get updated. Please remember that this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of today's episode. So, are you ready? Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, as always, the dream team back together once again. Josh, how you doing? I'm good, Sam. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, very well. Very well. I mean, we've probably got contrasting weather right now. It's freezing in the UK. It's miserable. But there's rumours that we're going to have a white Christmas, which might make it all OK. You enjoying the sun? Please tell me you're you're out there sunbathing most days. Yeah, I've actually got a bit of sunburn, mate. Oh, um, yeah, bit of sunbathing. We had some, we had some content uh, on Bondi Beach yesterday, purely work purposes. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I did put on some sun cream, but I missed, um, I missed, I missed, I missed the, I missed the skin fade. Um, <laughs> so that didn't go, that didn't go very well. Uh, but it's only thirty-eight degrees tomorrow, so I'll be slip, slap, and slopping that sun cream on uh, tomorrow. So yeah, contrasting weather. I'm sorry to anyone in England hearing that. Yeah, as you should be. Content on Bondi, Bondi Beach sounds right, doesn't it? Unbelievable. Remember to like, share, subscribe, people. Makes a difference. Uh, believe me, topics today, as the title gives it away, crypto flash crash. We'll discuss that. Um, what happened at the beginning of this week? We're talking about the central banks. It seems like every central bank in the world is reporting this week. And when we talk about Macy's, which had a really big move uh, at the beginning of the week as well. How does that sound, Josh? I like that. Uh, three contrasting topics today, I would say. We've got central banks in there. You've got a bit of an unloved retailer and then the very much loved crypto at the moment. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah. What a, what a, what a year for crypto. Uh, I mean, the early hours of Monday, though, it wasn't the best. Uh, when I say the early hours, I'm talking from a UK point of view. I do appreciate we've got listeners from all over the world. And actually, I was looking at the sort of the back end, um, you know, Literally, you name the country, we got listeners there. It's incredible. Shout out to everyone. Uh, but yeah, Guinea. What's that? Sorry, Greenland. Greenland. Yeah. Greenland. Yeah. 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 There's Enjoy one or two. It. Yeah, one or two. Well, yeah, you, you're the important ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Monday, crypto assets uh, move lower. Pretty sharp drop. Thoughts on this? I mean, is there a reason behind it, or is it just one of those things where that can still sort of happen within this asset class? Um, I guess. From an investing or trading point of view, if you want the big returns, you have to accept that there also can be declines as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I think there's a, probably a couple of reasons uh, why we've seen this pullback, but I think ultimately you've got to expect this from this asset class, right? Uh, you've got to take the highs with the lows, and unfortunately you can't take 160% in 2023 uh, and not accept that you're going to see a little bit of a pullback at, at sort of some point. Um, and as I say, 160% when we were at 44,000. So a huge return sort of year to date, um, especially after we look back into sort of last year. And again, yeah, an absolutely massive year. And, you know, in reaching that sort of peak at 44,000 in this most recent cycle, we saw seven of eight weeks uh, recently of gains. So a really, really big run up, you know. So as I say, I'm not surprised to see a bit of a pullback and ultimately, a little bit of profit taking, right? We're coming into that end of year. We we saw that jobs data on Friday come in, you know, you know, 
you know, better than expected, but that sort of, you know, pushback expectations on a recession, but then also then did par uh, a little bit in terms of expectations of rate cuts on the horizon. So, you know, we had it priced as early as March, uh, going into sort of the jobs report on Friday, that's sort of been pushed back again towards sort of May time. Um, so as I say, not unusual, I think, to see a little bit of cash coming off the table, especially in a bull market. Um, we can also put it down to a move that we saw over the weekend. So we did see this move to 44,000 sort of really run up during the weekend, a really big move from crypto assets over that time. And basically, Crypto assets, if, if, you know, those that don't know, do trade 24 hours a day, you know, you know, traditional markets obviously close, you know, you know, Monday to Friday, you know, only open for a few hours a day. So at the minute, we're, we're getting sort of traditional markets come into crypto and we have CME futures pricing, which is, you know, a huge market for crypto. So essentially, when we've seen those prices uh, basically moved higher over the weekend, that's essentially left a gap between when we had the CME futures price uh, on Friday night. So it closed at about sort of 40,000 on Friday. Then we moved up to about 44,000 over the over the weekend. And what's happened in sort of previous times when we've seen that move over the weekend, the prices have then gone on to sort of be filled in previous sessions. It's not always happened, but I think that can be a reason that we put down to there being sort of a sharp drop, right? Because the market was closed when it reopened again on that Monday. We sort of retraced back to that sort of price level. Um, so again, a little bit of everything sort of put in. Um, but I think that the performance, you know, bottom line that we've had from crypto this year just shows that it does have a diversified, um, you know, a place in a diversified portfolio. So look, a bit of a sell-off. I think we're sort of, you know, we, we sort of came back a little bit. Wouldn't worry me in the slightest because I think we've got a lot of catalysts as we head into 2024 we've got that improving macro environment that we're talking about obviously rate cuts maybe being piled a little bit but still you know as early as may is is you know i think most people will sort of take that we've got this growing expectation of a bitcoin acceptance or, or you know an etf coming through as early as the sort of the 10th of january so that's really the big catalyst that's sort of next on the horizon that institutional demand uh sort of coming in that you know bitcoin has really longed for for the last sort of few years and then, of course, the Bitcoin halving in April as well. So, you know, a lot of key catalysts uh, as we head in. Um, and I think that's why investors are sort of so optimistic about what's ahead. Yeah, as they should be. And if anyone complains about 150% returns, you need your head checked, quite frankly. It's been an unbelievable year uh, for, for crypto. Bitcoin, obviously, uh, a little bit lower this week, but... You know, as long as to be honest, as long as it says about thirty-two thousand, I think people ultimately are going to be happy. The unfortunate thing, though, if it was to go back down to thirty-two thousand, that would be a twenty-six percent drop. So you wouldn't want that to happen overnight. But uh, yeah, good point about the uh, the futures there and potential gaps to be closed. I know there's one in and around fifty thousand that a lot of the bulls are eyeing up. Um, one way or another, crypto, as you mentioned, next year is going to move. As, as well whether that be because of what central banks decide to do with rate cuts or it just means that you know risk is going to be more favored uh you know by the end of this week we're going to know a little bit more uh from a monetary policy point of view and of course that could then in influence you know risk assets and crypto uh as well by the end of this week we're going to know the policy decisions from all of the major central banks in the world uh except bank of japan uh this week we've got the fed got ecb 
got Bank of England, got the SNB, got Central Bank of Brazil, Norges Bank, and even the Central Bank of the Russian Federation. Uh, listeners will be happy to hear that we're not going to go through all of them, um, except for those that, I guess, do care about the real and uh, all of those kind of things. We're just going to focus on the Fed, the ECB, and the, the Bank of England. But to be honest, it's not about what they're doing this week. Uh, it's going to be about what they do next year and beyond. Uh, it's the race to see who cuts rates first. The streets are saying it's the most exciting race since the moon landing, since Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago with Verstappen and Hamilton, with Liverpool and City going head to head. People are excited. I promise you. Um, for the Fed, uh, economists anticipate a steady rate until mid next year. Uh, aggressive pricing in money markets suggests otherwise, though. Uh, and some people think as early as March despite inflation challenges. Uh, the market for next year, 2024, is predicting around about 125 basis points of rate cuts in, in that year. At the moment, I doubt that. I think the market's getting a little bit carried away, but it is what it is. For the Bank of England market projections hint at a 25 basis point reduction in June with expectations of an overall 80, 81 basis points of cuts by year end. So less than the FOMC and the, uh, the Fed, sorry. The ECB, which are also on Thursday, as are the Bank of England and the Fed on the Wednesday. For the ECB, uh, it looks around 80% probability of a March reduction, although views do differ among different policy makers. Uh, surveys indicate a majority of economists expect at least one rate cut before July next year so in terms of this week in terms of the main policy announcements in terms of where rates are going to be from those three central banks they're going to stay the same if not markets are going to go ballistic just to give you that one or less than one percent chance in the case of the fed if they were to you know raise rates uh you're going to see a big sell-off in, in equities you can see big dollar strength you can see gold come under probably a bit of pressure because of that uh, as well, and risk assets like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, to come under pressure. If they were to lower interest rates, which would be way ahead of schedule, then you're going to see the opposite reaction. You can see risk assets benefit. You can see equities push high. You can see the dollar come under significant pressure. Uh, but it's very unlikely that they're going to do that. Any forward guidance will be key. One thing that I would mention, not just for you know the US, but for the UK and, and Europe as well, that markets are you know, really been pushing on. Look at the NASDAQ. By the way, the NASDAQ could hit an all-time high this week. You know, markets are, are very, very happy right now with what they think is going to happen next year. So the biggest move in markets would be the central banks telling them otherwise. If they're going to say, actually, you know what, we're not going to raise rates next year or it's going to be at the back end of the year instead of early, the market's got too carried away. Yes, it's unlikely that they're actually going to say that straight out, but that's what I would be you know, looking for if I was a bear. If we get through this week in, in markets without any real downturn, I, I think all-time highs uh, in the NASDAQ and the S&P come relatively quickly. In the DAX, we're already there. The FTSE's a little bit off, so we would need a more dovish central bank there to, to get us higher. But overall, it, it, it looks looks good. Don't expect surprises. But at the same time, I think we've mentioned before, and we'll mention it again tomorrow, the, the outlook. You know, we're expecting a good a year in markets, but unlikely to see you know as big a returns as we've seen this year josh 
Yeah, and I think it's really interesting as well in terms of, you know, we are talking about cuts already, right? And I think that's the last thing that central banks want to hear us sort of yeah. talking about because, you know, we know Jerome Powell's listening. Um, <laughs> so he's going to be really disappointed that Sam and Josh talking about, you know, rate cuts because he's doing his best and he's going to do his best again this week to sort of really play that down. I think he, he got a nice little CPI print overnight. So yeah. for those that listen to this, obviously came out on sort of Tuesday. Um, I think it probably worked in his favor a little bit. It sort of came in as as it was, really as expected, maybe a little bit hotter than maybe some had, had sort of looked at. But I think if it was anything, you know, cooler than sort of when maybe what we got, he'd have had a really tough time uh, this week to sort of really try and keep markets in check because, you know, again, it would have sort of run away from him, I think. But um, first, first choice on central, which central bank will cut first? Oh, I mean, the... <laughs> The bookies' favourites going to be going to be the Fed, and I I would go with that. I would go with that. I, I actually in in uh, twenty twenty, I was like, I really think the Bank of England are going to be the first one to hike it, and that was kind of seen as a a, a left sided choice there, and they were. Um, there was there was time when people thought they were going to be the first to cut. There was time when it looked like the ECB were never going to, and now they're going to. But yeah, I'd still go the Fed. I feel that's like a boring answer, though. You, 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 any different? No, I think so, and I, and I think they'll probably cut the most as well. Yeah. Um, if we're thinking about how many cuts are sort of probably priced in, I guess we probably might get a little bit more this week in terms of, then we get projections this week from the Fed as well. So it'll be interesting what they say. Um, but yeah, I mean, out of those three, you would say the Fed, especially with, you know, we've just sort of dialed down pricing back to May from March, but I think that's probably still still good news. I, I still don't think we see a. Um, uh, a cut in in sort of March, but at least it's no, been priced in at some point. Yeah, so. I don't see that. I mean, I think the Fed could come out and say, "Look, we're not cutting in March," and the market would go, eh, "Yeah, but you might." Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think the the sorry, market Jerome. Is, we're yeah, sorry. We're yeah, sorry. That's how I feel at the moment. I think we're going to need a big negative catalyst to send us lower. Um, of course, you know the Santa rally's already come, but you know December's not doing that bad. Uh, our last topic today, then, uh, we'll talk about Macy's, which saw real big rise on on uh, during Monday's trade. I think it finished up nearly twenty percent, nineteen and a half percent, which takes it back to levels where it traded. Just checking now, February this year, uh, so it drifted lower about ten months ago. We're trading there now. Uh, reason behind this, Josh? Yes, we've had plenty of volatility from Macy's because it was also down 8% on Tuesday session as well. So, um, but where's that volatility coming from? It's coming from a $5.8 billion buyout offer from Arkhouse Management and Brigade Capital Management um, in a move which is basically aimed to try and take Macy's private. Um, you know, mm -hmm. retailers, though, as we know, have pretty much lagged the overall rally in U.S. stocks. Well, we may not know, but we're telling you now, they have lagged this overall rally in sort of U.S. stocks this year. And I think that's coming down to, you know, this worry of higher interest rates and that ultimately will damp dampen spending um, as, you know, the company struggled to sort of maintain the pace of growth that we've sort of seen, you know, especially during the pandemic and obviously that opening from the pandemic, right? It was that rush to get back to brick and mortar stores. Everyone wanted to go into a shop again, pick something up and uh, and speak to somebody on the other end of the till. Um, that's maybe not so much the case anymore. And department stores in particular have sort of been confronting a broader shift in that change in consumer habits, as we obviously all do sort of tend to go online. I mean, 
really it's a surprise that they are still with us i think department mm. stores um you know in the uk we had you know debenhams once once in a day i can't remember if it's still there we had house of fraser um don't know if that's still there um in oz you've also got the same thing we have department stores called david jones and maya they are sort of those real like household names where sort of you know the families used to always shop and that everyone sort of used to go to but they are sort of really starting to lose their touch and shares are sort of struggling here as well. But in terms of, you know, back to Macy's and, and sort of why we've seen this move, well, you know, all of those things that I've just said there means that this is unlikely to be from a retail move, right? You know, these this company is not buying this company in, in the sense to try and focus to what turn around what is a troubled ship. They're not thinking we are sort of going to reinvent the wheel here and make um these department stores great again i think instead this is likely to be a real estate buy you know they're focused on this real estate for macy's um look they may have you know some levels of you know potential sales on the horizon you know if that buyout is successful you obviously have bloomingdale's in there you know luxury has done sort of really well maybe do they sort of try and dial into bloomingdale's and on the real high-end luxury side of things especially you know on their positioning uh obviously in new york and and on that that's really where this value comes in right because estimates are that macy's real estate in the us including what is its flagship um store in herald square in manhattan could be worth in excess of 8 billion dollars so that i think is where the play comes in um but you know maybe people are wondering why shares were down on Tuesday. Well, they were down 8% because um, we had a downgrade from Citibank, which sort of rippled across the market. And I think they basically concluded that they didn't think that the buyout would materi materialize at all. Um, their mm. thoughts were that the, the offer was, you know, not going to be accepted. Uh, and Macy's, you know, sort of kind of realized that it was maybe a real estate buy. And they had employed somebody in the past, to, Macy's had, to sort of really try and get into um you know really sort of monetizing uh their real estate in the right way but the person who had headed that department up left uh about three years ago so clearly it's sort of a bit of a you know broken down car at this point but as i say if the real estate is worth eight billion uh, and we have that offer for 5.8 billion well maybe it's hard to really see macy's going okay well we're going to accept that because they probably know they've got a little bit in their back pocket um but then on the flip side of that, city's downgrade means that they clearly don't foresee a higher offer coming in. Because if they do see a higher offer coming in, then it probably would have been an upgrade rather than a downgrade because, you know, we would have got more than $21 a share and it would have been maybe 25 bucks a share or something like that, which is probably why, you know, we may would have seen a spike because that's why we saw the jump on Monday because the offer was 21 bucks a share and the 18% jump was to sort of really go to $21 a share, which is where the buyout was from. So, um, Look, maybe we see it come through, maybe we don't, but bottom line, retailers are sort of really struggling. Maybe the, the best idea is to take it private. Maybe it is to try and monetize uh, that real estate. Either way, it's it's going to be a bit of a difficult road ahead uh, for Macy's either way. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all-time high. Share price-wise came back in 2015, July. Uh, it was trading at $73 a share. Actually, at its lowest point a couple of years ago, it was down 93% trading where it was back in 2000. And nine uh, in the low fours or low fives. Uh, I mean, since then, it's obviously traded up a little bit. But volatile asset, we have to say, you know, some of these moves, especially when the share price goes so low, the percentage move higher or lower on any given day is going to be be pretty, pretty, um, you know, exasperated there. So 
uh yeah maybe best left alone i mean just looking at it from a charting perspective it's getting squeezed and it feels like you know the next big move based off whatever fundamental catalyst is the next move it's gonna be a big one um quick shout out for uh tomorrow thursday i mean you could be listening to this in four weeks time but on thursday the 14th of december we've got our latest uh 2024 outlook called time to rebalance so it'd be a good one for you josh Callie, ben um take my questions and answer very well i have to say uh so do listen to that or watch it on youtube josh we got to the end of the podcast thank you as always we have indeed. Thank you very much, Sam. And yeah, make sure you're listening to the Q4 Outlook. It is one not to miss. Take care, everyone. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results.